In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the Gospel passage that we hear today, we see some of the Pharisees having an exchange with Jesus. And at first, it doesn't seem like they're totally wrong. And they're not. They're focused on rules. They're focused on important rules that apply to a very meaningful day in the religion of Judaism. Rules that apply to the Sabbath. And on that day, it was widely known that you're not, you're not supposed to work. It's a little bit more nuanced than that, but that's basically the rule. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. It's a day set apart for God. To give the Pharisees some credit, it's good to focus on rules. I think all of us know that, even though sometimes we prefer to set the rules aside because they might seem uncomfortable or challenging, or they might seem like a burden that's getting in the way of what we want to do or who, who we want to be. At the same time, I think deep down, there's recognition among all of us that we need rules. We need rules to function. We need rules for guidance and direction, for things to go smoothly. So it's important not just to say that there's rules, not just to give rules, or not just to even acknowledge that there's rules, but it's important to ask why, and to know why, and to teach why certain rules might be there. No work on the Sabbath. Why? Whenever this prescription is given in the Old Testament, the account in Scripture will point back to creation. It'll point back to the seven days of creation, where for six days God was actively creating, and on the seventh day that activity stops. And it says God blesses the seventh day and hallows it. He blesses it, and he hallows it. He sets it apart. So there's something special about that day. There's something so special about that day that man is called to imitate God. Man is called to cease from certain kinds of activity and embrace another kind of activity. What does it mean for creation? What does it mean for me and you to rest on the Sabbath, on this day set aside for the Lord. What are the Pharisees not exactly understanding about the Sabbath? Why is Jesus even giving them the time of day? Why is he even answering them? Because they're onto something. What this means for me and you, this day that's set apart for God, that's for us, Sunday, the new Sabbath, What it means for us is that everything that has been set in motion on those days of creation can now look to and move towards the one who set them in motion. And moving towards the one... It means that for me and you, we should be looking towards and moving towards the one who's unmoved. What the Pharisees are missing out on And what Jesus is trying to educate them about is a certain kind of work that's always supposed to be done. Sure, on Sunday, like you and I are familiar with, 
we kind of cease from the daily activities that we're used to, whether it's our jobs or school or anything related to those things. And we maybe set some time aside for family. We set some time aside to go to church. But why are we doing that? And how does that mean we're resting? And what kind of rest is that? What kind of work is that? Because we're still involved in doing something. Yes, we retreat from certain kinds of work, but the work that's always being done, the work that God is calling us to do because He's doing it Himself, is the work of love. As they're passing through the grain fields, the disciples are hungry. They don't have food. They need to eat. And even though the law says you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, should they really be deprived from sustaining themselves physically? Jesus even says, when David and his men were on the run to protect themselves, they could only access the bread of the presence, which was only for priests. And it was still given to them to eat so that they could sustain themselves because the work of charity always makes sense. And then he says, the priests who are working in the temple on the Sabbath, are they not at some kind of work? But they're not guilty for that. Then he goes on to their synagogue. There's a man with a withered hand, a man who's sick, a man who desperately needs attention. And Jesus wishes to heal him as the Pharisees try to trap him. And then he paints for them a very reasonable picture to kind of snap them out of it, to get them to recognize the whole point of the law in the first place. He says, which one of you, if your sheep fell into a pit, if your sheep was trapped, if your source of income was at stake, would not do something to salvage that? And of course, everyone knows the answer. And Jesus goes on to heal that man because that is the kind of work we're supposed to be meditating on and committing ourselves to imitate. That's the work of love. It's the work of charity. That is where we rest. That's where we find our rest. That's where we find our fulfillment. In the chapter before this one, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says the words that maybe all of us have heard before. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The work of love, the work of charity, is rest for our souls. That's what awaits us when we imitate this work of God. When we look at what Jesus just said about the kind of rest that he offers us and imitate that, Take my yoke upon you. What yoke is he talking about? The wood of the cross. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Go to this school. Go to this school which shows us how to rest, how to imitate our Father, how to find safety in the household that he calls us to participate in. That's where we find our rest. On the cross is where we see God's self-giving love. On the cross is where we see his body broken and his blood being, sh his blood being shed. 
On the cross is where we see God's face. On the cross is where we see how far the work of love goes. That's the kind of work that's always supposed to be done, whether it's a weekday or a Sunday. That's why we come here, by the way. We come here to see what the work of love looks like. We come here to see how far love goes in God taking on flesh, going to the point of dying on a cross. And then, as the altar represents the tomb in this Mass, shortly after, it represents the throne of His glory as we make a memorial not only of His passion and death, but also of His resurrection. That's the full picture of love. And that's the work that's always supposed to be done. And that's the work the Pharisees missed out on. And that's the work we're always being called to imitate. Because when we do it, we return in love towards God. And we can do that by contemplating Him, by coming here to worship Him, by coming here to look at the sacrifice that's being made on the altar and to imitate it, to make a commitment week after week to observe His commandments, because we know they're not just arbitrary rules, but they're for our own good, they're for our own fulfillment, they're for reaching the goal of holiness and thus becoming more like our Father, who takes our humanity and allows it to mix with His divinity. Amen.